Hello and welcome to Ethos Magazine's third year of covering the Oscars. This is Patrick Dunham and I'm joined by uh, Kyle Heiner. And today we're going to talk about 11 categories and our predictions for ease for the uh, Oscars um, broadcast happening in March later this year. Who do, you, who do you think for Best Supporting Actor? Yeah, for Best Supporting Actor in a Supporting Role, my vote goes to Willem Dafoe for his performance in The Florida Project. He plays a manager of a hotel that is just very tender and really cares about the tenants there. Um, and just gives a great performance as usual. What about you, Kyle? I would agree with Willem Dafoe. I love The Florida Project. I'm just going to take this opportunity to say that I believe that it was snubbed in pretty much a lot of categories, especially when it comes later on to that Best Picture spot. So I'm glad to see it did get its nomination here. However, I'm looking at the precursors for it, and I, I believe why Willem Dafoe did have some awards steam at the beginning of it. I'm actually going to give this one to Sam Rockwell. Okay. Uh, Sam Rockwell has had like a pretty like good career so far, but this is clearly his biggest breakout role in Martin McDonough's um, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. He plays sort of a racist cop that kind of just works at the police station and comes encounter with Francis McDormand's character and a few others and has this sort of arc that is a controversial redemption by the end, but he has this one with Screen Actors Guild and also the um, BAFTA before this, so I see him taking the, uh, taking the statue home on, on the Oscar Sunday. Fair enough, fair enough. Cool. Our next category is Actress in a Supporting Role, and who'd you choose for this one, Kyle? So this one, um, I was kind of debating between right here was Alice and Janney for Itania and Laurie Metcalf for uh, Lady Bird. And I think Alice and Janney, if you look at the precursors, she's won a lot of the awards, so she's kind of got the, the steam going into Oscar Sunday. However, I'm actually going to give this one to Laurie Metcalf. I think mm. she has a really fantastic scene, of course, near the end of Lady Bird, but even still, she does a fantastic job playing that mother to her Ronan's character, um, the titular role. Uh, so I think that she actually is going to be our surprise out of the four. I think the four are pretty much locked, and uh, we'll get to the best um, actor and actress later on, but I'm actually going to give this one to Lori Metcalf. How about you? Okay, yeah, it's interesting how both of them are playing mothers, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, and very different mothers at that because Allison Janney's character is like this fierce, really just abusive mother, kind of hard to watch her on screen because it's so intense at times. Um, Lori Metcalf, very tender, very like, well... You know, she's fierce as well, but there's still the loving component with it. Um, So I don't know. I would say that in terms of performances and just um, the way that the actors played the roles, I think that Alice and Jenny did a more, I don't know, her just, her role really stands out a little more to me than Laurie Metcalf. Octavia Spencer was also good, but I don't really feel like in comparison to the other two, Laurie Metcalf and Alice and Jenny, that... Her performance would be worth an Oscar, but interesting nonetheless. Cool. So our next category is original score. And for this one, it was pretty tricky because three movies, Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, and The Shape of Water, as well as Star Wars and Three Billboards, are all nominated. And I feel like Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, and The Shape of Water are very strong contenders. I was actually watching uh, the opening sequence of Dunkirk yesterday and just the, the tension on all of that and just like, the way that it really grips you really kind of really unsettles you. Um, Phantom Thread, also amazing classical music, Johnny Greenwood. Um, but this one was tricky. I would have to go with Dunkirk, just the, the way that the intensity builds and the way that it's constructed and it goes with the editing and just it really adheres well. What about you, Kyle? Absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of Hans Zimmer. My favorite one of his um, scores for his, uh, a film would have to be for the Interstellar score. I listen to that all the time. So when I found <laughs> out, once again, he was going to be partnering with his muse, Christopher Nolan, 
it was clear that I was like, all right, Dunkirk, we're going to be in for something special. And yes, you do have that ticking clock because Dunkirk obviously plays with the idea of time and those three interesting formats as they all come together near the end. And that clicking, like that ticking clock that just like pounds in your ears, especially for anyone who did watch it in the theaters, is like so loud and overbearing that you really are immersed into it. However, um, I did watch The Shape of Water and I remember there was just like that just sort of sound and feel like it has a sort of like takes you back to that Cold War era and does have this sort of like fantastic feel to it because this is a fairy tale set in like a realistic world but the set design and production design as well when partnering with it is a really beautiful take so I've been listening to that actually a few times um, mm -hmm. when I've been studying and I feel that I do believe The Shape of Water will actually take that one home. Um, I feel as though Alexandre Dusclad has won. <coughs> he's won Oscars before, right? He scored a lot of Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, so he's definitely been in the, been in the contention before, and I've, I've just seen that this soundtrack. I think has the most comprehensive, overarching feel. It has enough like sort of classical to it that I think the Oscar voters do like, since they're a little bit of an older audience. But it still has that sort of own unique style to it. If I if I were to hear like that opening song, I know exactly who it is, and I think that's something that they are also looking for is a very unique score. Mm -hmm. Interesting how it leads on to film editing because. Um, you being for The Shape of Water, me being for Dunkirk, it's sort of an interesting pitting against one another for mm -hmm. film editing as well because they both were edited in a really... The Shape of Water specifically, like, um, I remember the sequence where it, like, turns to black and white, turns into a musical... Absolutely. ...in the beginning where she's floating and there's all these, like, kind of ethereal, strange elements. But, yeah, Dunkirk's, like, precision and just the way that each of them are framed, and I don't know, it's very skillfully done, but I'm assuming that you're gonna go for The Shape of Water for this one as well. I'm actually gonna show this one actually to uh, Dunkirk. I think oh, that wow. Dunkirk does a great job just because cl clearly you have those cuts between you have the one one week, like one one day and one hour essentially of like just how these sort of like timelines are coming together. and. It really is like the editing needs to be this sort of fast pace, especially when you do leave the longer shots maybe of the planes kind of gliding, even then mixing with the, the ships crashing into the water. Like those editing like moments, like they know exactly when to cut, when the tension's there. I think the other interesting potential spoiler actually, which I have a hard time really seeing coming to fruition is Baby Driver. Mm -hmm. Baby Driver itself, like this is, I think it's only nomination in any of the categories, um, at least the main ones. But Baby Driver does have the fantastic sequence that Edgar Wright was for sure able to do by like creating the song playlist first for the film and having that be paired up exactly with the actual like editing itself. Like it's so in sequence, the shots, everything lines up exactly with the different downbeats and upbeats of the song. So. I think that one does the most interesting work with editing. I just don't think it'll be, unfortunately, recognized in the Oscars. So I'm going to give this one to Dunkirk. Yeah, Baby Driver, definitely high-octane editing. And Itonia was interesting, too, like breaking the fourth wall and all this interview stuff. Like, I don't know, breaking kind of conventions of what we would expect with that. But, yeah, again, I feel like in terms of Dunkirk's, you know, rigid uh, precision and the shape of waters, kind of whimsical flow, it's... Uh, yeah, Dunkirk of the Shape of Water, I think, um, are maybe the strongest contenders for that category. Totally. So I'm going to ask you then, kind of moving into cinematography. So we're looking at this here. There's a few different, a few new ones in this category that we haven't seen yet before, such mm -hmm. as Mudbound and Blade Runner 2049. What are you thinking right here? Yeah, so for Blade Runner, I mean, I saw it so long ago, it's sort of hard to... Roger A. Deakins, you know, won a bunch of Oscars. Mm -hmm. He's um, shot Sicario, shot a bunch of other movies, and he's a big winner and the movie of course was gorgeous and you know amazing but again Dunkirk you know even from the very first sequence it's like in this town and all the colors are pastel and it's really still like Dunkirk did a really good job The Shape of Water too it's tricky again but I don't know again my ties go to Dunkirk because I think that um it just really really it really nailed it for what it was going for
Yeah, I'd originally put Dunkirk down as my category as well, but I've kind of just gone back to thinking about when I've experienced both of those. I experienced them both on IMAX this summer to try to get mm-hmm. the full, just the full viewing pleasure. And definitely Blade Runner 2049, I was completely in awe at almost every shot. And I think Roger Deakins does amazing work there. And it's unfortunately been hardly recognized throughout this sort of whole awards gambit. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking that maybe voters will remember that. But I do think an interesting thing to point out in this category is Rachel Morrison's nomination for Foot Mudbound. Um, she mm-hmm. is actually the first female nomination in the cinematography category. And she actually also recently just was the cinematographer for Black Panther as well. So she's had two sort of big success stories. Whereas Mudbound, of course, was maybe like squandered in Netflix's release. It was put on that site pretty early on in, I think it was December, and then it kind of never was promoted there and it fell to the wayside. So unfortunately, I don't think a lot of viewers or voters have seen it. So I don't see her actually winning this category, but she does have like a groundbreaking nomination here. And Hopefully she'll be um, really seen again for her Black Panther work next year at the Oscars. Yeah. But for this, I'm going to have to go with Blade Runner 2049. Fair enough. Yeah, I remember all the, the blues and oranges. Like um, like last night I was on a plane and also watched the beginning of Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. which is the same sort of just these like extremes of like orange and blue and vast desert landscapes and just yeah. definitely beautiful. Um, yeah, Deacons has won a few. Maybe he'll win another, win another for this one. And if not for 2049, I, I know we're not talking about these two other categories, but I do see it for visual effects later on down mm-hmm. the road and some visual designs as well because yeah. some of those graphics and things I'd never seen before on screen. So I think I think it'll get its due in some of those technical categories as well later on, if not here. Totally. So, yeah, moving on to writing for um, <coughs> both categories, adapted screenplay and original screenplay. We're going to start with adapted screenplay, which has... So there's six nominations, Call Me By Your Name, The Disaster Artist, Logan, Molly's Game, and Mudbound 5, actually. Um, and I think this one is a pretty clear shot, but I'm curious what you think, Kyle. Uh, for the adaptive screenplay, I honestly believe it's pretty much going to go to our UO alumnus, James Ivory, here yeah. with Call Me By Your Name. Just looking at the rest of the category, you do have some good films, and Logan makes a big debut here, being like the first sort of superhero movie nominated for an Oscar and really any of these categories. I mean, you had Suicide Squad for some other things back back then but for like a big writing adapted screenplay coming from a comic book this is a big move here but really at the end of the day this is going to go to call me by your name um james has definitely just won the bafta before this and he's on his huge circuit i think most experts predict this one as well but really to be able to take andre eichmann's book and bring it to life in this sort of film and listening to his him come speak on campus and how he like decided to make what cuts and changes and really be able to maybe let the um actors speak for themselves through movements and not just the the words there like i think this screenplay Looking at the end of it is 100% going to win. There's really no chance. Absolutely, yeah. The Disaster Artist maybe, maybe had a slight shot uh, a few months ago, but then, you know, there was a lot of media against James James Franco. Franco. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of sexual harassment, misconduct. So Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that sort of set the tone for not even having a chance at all. Um, Molly's Game is sort of interesting. I feel like I haven't seen it. I feel like a lot of other people haven't seen it, but Aaron Sorkin is just such a sharp writer. I'm sure that it was an amazingly written, amazingly written movie. But yeah. again, Call Me By Your Name, definitely, I think there's no question it will definitely win this category. And Ivory, if I'm not mistaken, is maybe the oldest mm-hmm. um, I so. Oscar nominee ever. Maybe He's somewhere up there in that game, and I wish I had yeah. the... Uh, yeah, the the facts and figures out in front of me right here, but I do believe Ivory is very, very up there, and if he does win, he'll be one of the oldest the oldest winners in that, in that category at the very least. Absolutely. Great. So then that'll take us then to Best Original Screenplay, and this is where it gets really interesting. I'm excited yeah. to see The Big Sick being nominated here. Um, the Big Sick is obviously the uh, kind of indie rom-com that came out and really reshaped perceptions of rom-coms in general and just sort of being able to talk about America. That one is the one just where... Um, 
um, Camille Nanjani, he uh, falls in love with somebody, and then she, of course, goes into a coma and how he deals with the parents. And Holly Hunter mm-hmm. does a great job. And, of course, Ray Romano as well. But I think kind of looking at the other categories here, we have Get Out, written by Jordan Peele, and Lady Bird, written by Greta Gerwig, who are both nominated in the Best Director category. And both of these are their feature films. To have them in this category, this is immediately you're in some really strong water, followed by The Shape of Water and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So this is where I kind of like, I have two that I'm going to pit it between. I really think that it's going to go down to either Get Out or Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Mm, okay. So uh, I've, I've labeled it down to those two just because I believe Get Out has obviously, it came out last year in February. So it's almost going to be a full year since it came out and it's going to have come out a full year before the Oscars. So it's very hard for films to kind of stay relevant that long. Mm-hmm. The last one being really The Silence of the Lambs, which won the big five like a long time ago. Um, but I think Get Out just has able to pinpoint sort of like a beautiful story. Not a beautiful, that's definitely not the word I'm trying to say, but adapt it in such, or to turn this sort of conversation that not is not is being had in in society, but be able to make it into something that is so thrilling and engaging for audiences to watch, like across all sort of race lines and being able to understand it. And of course the ending as well, it's such a, like a perfect twist and everything. And just if you look at the little moments, I believe that it is just a really haunting tale. So I put my money on Get Out, but I see three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri by Martin McDonough. This one's got a, a bunch of fire behind it as well. Martin did um, In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, and his words are very like powerful and cutting and wordy. And this film itself is very unique in its structure and its plot, so I think that, it, that they did like it when it first debuted in Toronto. Everyone was head over heels for this film, um, and it still kind of has that momentum. But I believe that just through the story, I don't think it's the strongest. I think they give some character arcs and redemptions to things that aren't there, and I think some words just are really not... I think it thinks it's saying more than it really is. So I believe that maybe Oscar voters won't see through it. So they might they might nominate or might give the award to that one. But I think I think Get Out is going to be our, our winner in this category. Yeah, Get Out definitely has a very strong chance. Um, Lady Bird is also sort of an interesting one because the movie was just very res- like um, I feel like a, most people that saw it really connected with it, partially because of the way it was written, partially because of the actors, but. Um, definitely you could tell it was just very heartfully like it was like Greta Gerwig translated in writing on screen and a lot of people just I don't know I feel like a lot of people connected with it perhaps um, it'll win the award I feel like Get Out is um, is a stronger contender but Lady Bird has a good chance The Shape of Water I mean super original concept um, you know setting it in like futuristic 50s and all this it, it was it was definitely an original concept, well executed. Um, but like you, I think that Get Out will 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 take the cake for this one. And then moving on to Best Director, this right. has some of the same nominees: Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Jordan Peele for Get Out. But then we get Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, and Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. So this one, same kind of pinning against you know Dunkirk, The Shape of Water, both strong contenders. Get Out, Lady Bird, also. But then there's Phantom Thread. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, Phantom Thread really kind of surprised people, I think, for these nominations. No one had kind of had a late um, sort of release schedule for just seeing for um, just general audiences uh, in total. But I think people were surprised. And I went and saw it, and I, I think it gets all the credit it deserves in this sort of like in getting the risk and receiving um, its praise. Uh, it's a really beautiful story. It's actually haunting in a, a sense. People do kind of com- compare it to maybe like a Fifty Shades of Grey set in like an older sort of English Victorian times. Mm-hmm. Not even Victorian, but it has a sort of feel to that it's some old kind of like disconnected place. But I think for directing, Paul Thomas Anderson is one of the greatest working directors of our time. Definitely Absolutely. from his work in 
Boogie Nights and The Master, and now this one as well to add to his repertoire. However, really what I'm seeing for this one here is going to go to Guillermo del Toro. Hmm. I think just looking at it across the board, I don't like to be someone who just talks about the precursors, but he really won has across the gambit. And I've done a lot of like behind the scenes looking at it, and it seems that he's really taken a lot of care into this story. And he's kind of got a full like auteur taking con- ownership of this, this film in whole and his work, like talking to Sally Hawkins and... Um, Octavia Spencer working with Michael Shannon they all seem to talk about how like he was able to bring out the best in them for this film mm-hmm. he has the most distinct style obviously this is something he's always wanted to work with Pan's Labyrinth being something very similar to it kind of this this creature feature but now set in this sort of like tonal um, change and I think that Guillermo will, will take it however I could really see it going to any of these directors, and they all honestly do deserve it. Christopher Nolan, yeah. this is his first nomination in the category, and everyone's saying when is Nolan going to get his best director win? And I do believe he he will get it in time, but I just don't think Dunkirk is going to do it for him this this time around. Yeah, I don't really think it brought the momentum momentum necessary. And yeah, Del Toro, I mean, The Shape of Water just has so much interest, like especially the way that it fuses um, old Hollywood movies like The Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. but then it adds this sort of like sexuality aspect that works and it's has a lot of sort of surprising factors or you know when it switches into this black and white musical scene like it's very bold it's very bold and I think that he um, he's maybe the most deserving in this category but again like Paul Thomas Anderson Phantom Thread was just so good and really packed a punch and they're just really different movies so I don't know I guess we'll just have to see what happens with that yeah um, so our next category is actor in a leading role. Ooh, I have a lot and to say here. Yeah, this one was tricky. Um, <coughs> so Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, Daniel Day-Lewis for Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya for, for Get Out, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington for Roman G. Israel, Israel Esquire. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, so I think here that my heart and everything I want to say is like who I truly believe deserve it is going to be Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. Like, he really is Elio in this film. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, please go and do. It's a fantastic, beautiful film. It is my top film of last year. I've ranked in my little rankings, and that one clearly stands out to me. I've seen it, seen it three times now, actually. Oh wow! Yeah. So um, I think with that though, Timothy, like completely, he was just kind of built into the role. Like when James Ivory was first writing it, like they like worked with him and like he was able to figure out his mannerism, mannerisms. Um, he expertly performs in this, and he got a lot of sort of awards coverage earlier on, but unfortunately I don't think that Timothy is going to be able to pull this one out solely oh, because really? we are going to have to, we're going to have Gary Oldman win this. And I'm, this is a little unfortunate. Yes, okay. I, Gary Oldman, I believe he's obviously in Darkest Hour, which we haven't talked about much because mm-hmm. as a film, I think it's, um, I have seen it now and it is, I think a little weak. It's clearly, it's yeah. it's just kind of set in like a darker tones and it's like them in England sort of arguing, obviously. Right is it like a, like a biopic of Winston Churchill? It's a biopic of Winston Churchill. And I think okay. the most interesting thing about it is the transformation that Gary Oldman went to. So he might win Best Makeup. This film probably will because mm-hmm. he completely transforms like through the makeup department. They do an awesome job, I will admit, of throwing all this sort of old makeup onto him and really having him transform into the into the role. But I believe this is going to be one of those sort of legacy wins for him just mm-hmm. because he hasn't won this entire time in his career thus far. And just because the Oscar voters are older and he's older himself, I believe that he's going to probably take this over Timothy because they're going to view Timothy as younger in his career. But I think by far Timothy gives the far superior performance than um, Gary Oldman, but I see him taking the award, unfortunately. 
The other one I would like to shout out as well would be Daniel Kaluuya, like, coming out onto the scene. Most people have seen him maybe from that Black Mirror episode before this, but really just being able to, like, ground this film and take absolute control. Clearly, though, like, we're going to talk about the sunken place scene, but, like, his work sitting in that chair and being able to expertly just portray what that feeling of being hypnotized and, like, falling into it. Like, he also has, like, had a great career, and he's definitely our breakout star. Mm -hmm. Him and Timothy are the two breakout male stars from that last year. Okay, interesting how you yeah. how Daniel Day Lewis doesn't seem to be a strong contender for you because for me, him and Timothy Chalamet. I mean, Chalamet, you know, this new teenage heartthrob. He's like this. He's like the new James Dean. Um, he was just in uh, Lady Bird. He was that jerk boyfriend. So it's interesting to see him in this like very tender role with um, with Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, his name was Kyle. Was in that film, so I was like, okay, oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> see you, Timothy. But yeah, Timothy Chalamet. I don't know. He has a good shot. I think that he's definitely um, everyone loves him. But Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, three time Best Actor in a Leading Role, Oscar winner, um, powerhouse. This was allegedly his last role that he'll ever play. Mm-hmm. I think that he, I mean, every role that he's in, he just puts all of himself in it. And Chalamet did as well. But again, very different films, hard to compare. The performances, because it's just, Day-Lewis is legendary. Chalamet is this new, very promising actor. Day-Lewis winning a fourth Oscar would be pretty wild, but I think he might. I, I could see it happening as well. I mean, specifically with the, the nominations for Phantom Thread being larger than a lot of these other films. And so people were like, okay, they are they are here to sort of take some awards. Unfortunately, though, I think that these Oscars will probably be less um, wild as last year's with the whole yeah. La La Land Moonlight debacle. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to be a little bit more um, standard kind of going into it. So I do believe that the top four are going to kind of stay true to the precursors when it comes to these. And Gary Oldman is unfortunately, I, I keep saying unfortunately, I know people may enjoy Gary Oldman's performance <laughs> in this, but I'm really not on... Not a, I'm, not, I'm not on the Gary Oldman train or the team or that campaign. I'm definitely looking. I'd be happy with Timothy Chalamet, Daniel Day-Lewis, Daniel Kaluuya winning. Denzel Washington is also in there. Maybe we should mm-hmm. point that out. And yeah. I haven't actually seen Roman J. Israel Esquire. I know a, f- a fair amount of people probably haven't either. But it is nice to see him sneak back in there after last year as well, which he was on there for Fences. So this is a second year in a row nomination for him. But I think it's really going to go down, unfortunately, to Gary Oldman. <laughs> Interesting also to think about the, the Oscars voters and who actually determines these awards because you know we can project all that we want on it you know timothy chalamet blah 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 but in the end sort of like maybe the older audience will have this this more sway with figuring out um who wins the figurine absolutely so moving on to actress in a leading role um here we have sally hawkins for the shape of water francis mcdormand for three billboards margot robbie for itonia shirshi ronan for ladybird meryl streep for the post and for this category I'm going to go with Sally Hawkins. I want to hear what you have to say, Kyle. Uh, Oh, I do love Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins is someone that I kind of had not really given, paid much attention to in Hollywood in general until I went and saw The um, the Shape of Water. And I remember coming out of The Shape of Water the first time. I absolutely adored it. I know I talked to some people, and maybe it's not their favorite, but Mm -hmm. me and my friend who saw it the first time, she's actually gone back and seen it like three other times now, I I believe. But like, I believe that Sally Hawkins brings a powerhouse performance to this film. I just unfortunately... I don't see her being recognized as much. I mean, she does play the titular character, and she's mute in that aspect. Um, not titular character, because there's no one named The Shape of Water in this. But she is the lead the lead role here, and obviously she falls in love with the fish creature, and you mm-hmm. have all this sort of aspect in being able to like, communicate with her and just like being able to sign, um, being able to pull so much emotion without saying any words, I think is really, really powerful. Yeah, she's so expressive, definitely. However, um, the other one that I did see that was a potential sweeper, or potential like huge success would be Shirshi Ronan for mm-hmm. Itania. Or, oh my gosh, Shirshi Ronan for Lady Bird. Um, she does a great job in this one. Uh, this is actually her 
third nomination coming from just a young age. I think she's like the one of the youngest female um, actresses who's been nominated already three times for an Academy Award, the other two being Atonement and then Brooklyn hmm. in 2015. But um, Cersei, I think she does a fantastic job really embodying this sort of character of bringing the spunk, and obviously she's able to shield her Irish accent, which isn't just enough to get an Oscar in any sense, but like she truly becomes that character, and you can feel that sort of teenage angst, and a lot of girls have been able to like project themselves onto there and like be able to see their stories being told. However, at the end of the day, which I haven't talked about yet, I do believe this award is going to Frances McDormand hmm. um, for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, she has one before for Fargo. She did a fantastic job in that film yeah, by the Coen brothers. And she kind of has that same like ferocity and spunk. You just have the sort of like like female character who can't, who doesn't take no for an answer. She really takes things into her hands. Um, in the role, she's the, the mother of the girl who was um, killed, and she's the original person that sets up the three billboards to sort of gain attention from the police and the town itself. And there's a lot of people who have like hatred towards her and she just uses that to fill fuel herself but you can see those tender moments and i just think that her people have resonated with her sort of like audacity and in this era of times up and women sort of like standing up for themselves and being loud and proud like i think a lot of people have attached to like francis mcdormand's character and mm-hmm. she does do a fantastic job taking that role of mildred hayes to heart so i see her winning this and unfortunately there's like a lot of really great actresses in this category so like i would want to see all of them win in due time and it's hard to be able to just to pick one but i think francis will take the award home Okay, fair enough, yeah. I mean, Margot Robbie, again, good in Itonia, but uh, not an Oscar role. Um, Trishy Ronan, yeah, I feel like she just played this, like, American high school girl that so many people could identify with, and she was just this um, this sort of instantly classic character that just was, was really easy to mesh with. Yeah, okay, interesting about McDormand. Hawkins, I think, just her ability to express without, use, without speaking mm-hmm. and just with her body and with her emotions and how we could really feel her love with the creature. Um, that really moved me, and I think that she'll, she'll win the Oscar for it, and she just... I would love to see that. Job. I'd love to see Sally Hawkins take it, so I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. So now we're up to our last category, the most important, the best picture category, and as always, there are a lot of nominees. There are mm-hmm. nine this year. Um, do you want to read them out, Kyle? Yes, so we're going to have a... We'll go through them here. So we'll start off with Call Me By Your Name, uh, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Definitely a big grab bag with yeah. this one. And you mentioned earlier the uh, the fiasco last year. For, for those that didn't watch last year, um, basically... La La Land was presented with the Best Picture Award, mm-hmm. and it actually turns out that it was that was not correct. It actually went to Moonlight, and very gracefully, the producer from La La Land, you know, gave it back over. And it was a very interesting moment to see it all unfold on on television with everyone so confused and just this crazy. It was is a very very strange setup. So. I'm not sure if this year we'll get that kind of that frenzy and just that strange kind of media um, reality thing going. But yeah, there's a lot of really strong contenders for this one. And I don't even know where to start. I mean, what are you gravitating towards, Kyle? So I think another interesting thing to note about this is they've extended the Best Picture category. I I forget what was the original year that they did do it. But now you have up to 10 nominees allowed in there from the original five. So there used to be five back then, but they've up to 10. But this category only has nine. So there's a lot of people who felt like Maybe that 10th film was slighted. I mentioned earlier on that I believe the Florida Project could have mm-hmm. snuck in there. I think that's a really humanist film and one of my top favorites from last year, just being able to completely follow Mooney and her journey. So maybe this is just more of a shout out for the Florida Project, though it's not on there. I want everyone to go see it, give it a chance. It's a really, really fantastic film. 
But I think this is a, a huge category, and like you can look at how we think people are winning before this. But I think just with our wins from Guillermo del Toro from Best Director, and I believe the Shape of Water winning uh, the original score, I'm going to take um, the Shape of Water of our Best Picture for the year. It does have the most nominations going into this. The thing that I would say is the potential um, upset for this film would actually be Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri as well, just because I believe it's also going to get a lot of Oscar coverage and it's got a lot of precursor coverage as well, winning those certain awards that it needs to get. However, the main thing, the main reason I don't see Three Billboards actually winning this year, though it just won with the BAFTAs for Best Picture and Best British Picture, because um, it was created by British um, writer and director Martin McDonough, mm-hmm. is that Martin McDonough is not nominated in the Best Director category, which a lot of people were surprised because he actually was at the Golden Globes, and he's um, won the picture one Best Drama at the Golden Globes as well. So everyone was kind of surprised to see him not nominated in the Best Director category here, and I believe that 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 fit lack of a nomination in that category is going to pretty much ensure that he's that the three billboards actually won't win this year. The mm. last time that happened was with the Ben Affleck Argo. Um, I think it was 2012 when Argo actually won Best Picture, but Ben Affleck wasn't also nominated for Best Director. It's very rare that that's happened. It's only happened three times before. Mm. And I don't see three, three billboards being the fourth one to do that necessarily. So I'm going to give this one to The Shape of Water. I mentioned it before. Wow. I absolutely felt that that film was fantastic when it comes to the terms of writing, production, design, costume, mm-hmm. acting, really directing. All of it creates this perfectly contained story. It feels like a fairy tale brought to life. It does mix that old Hollywood that I think a lot of our older vo- voters will like, mm-hmm. this sort of new tale. Yes, it's sort of an unconventional love story between a sort of like fish creature and a woman, but I mean, it looks beyond just that. You can take the, what meaning you need from it for metaphors, but Guillermo's really talked about it in interviews and press, and I'm, I'm 100% on board now with this one winning. Clearly, though, my favorite feature of the year was actually Call Me By Your Name. I just don't see that one being able to stand out, unfortunately. It has, it's had such um, maybe poor viewership in the theaters and things mm-hmm. such as that, and that is, it doesn't fall on anyone's fault necessarily, but I do believe a lot of voters will gravitate more towards the high-name award winners from previous categories. And since voting period actually starts today, since it is the 20th, uh, we have about a seven-day period here. I think The Shape of Water has done the best coverage beforehand and is going to gain the most momentum, and I think that'll be our best picture for this year at the Oscars. Yeah, I'm kind of with you too. I mean, I want Call Me By Your Name. I think that it deserves in some way the best picture, but I just don't think it has, it stands out in terms of these other eight nominees because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Get Out, also a strong contender, very timely. Um, Dunkirk, I mean, uh, I don't really think Dunkirk has a shot. But again, Phantom Thread comes up and something tells me that it might sneak through. It might be the one because... There's just level of execution there and sort of the mystic nature of the movie really stuck with me. I mean, The Shape of Water was so amazing, so tender. If you were trying to explain someone the concept, it sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it sort of is ridiculous, but the way that it's handled and just like the respect given, you know, love can be anywhere and um, even between a fish creature and a woman. And there's Ladybird again, but yeah. I think that you're you're spot on. I believe that The Shape of Water, um, definitely one of the strongest contenders. Phantom Thread might seek through. I don't really think Lady Bird has much of a shot. Um, Call Me By Your Name, I think it's 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 almost certainly going to win um, Adapted Screenplay. Yeah, that one's almost 100%, I would say. Yeah, but I don't think Best Picture it has much of a shot. I do think that Get Out actually is, or maybe I'm not giving enough credit it deserves here in this Best Picture category. I think a lot of people maybe don't, 
would be shocked to kind of hear that it's even in contention in the sense that people don't view like maybe like horror movies, even though that it's less of a horror, more of a thriller and really mm. a social commentary at its nature. But it is a groundbreaking debut film from Jordan Peele, who's like primarily known for Key and Peele sketches on Comedy Central. And people to make this film that has been able to stay in the public's discussion for this long has actually been quite the surprise, I think, for a lot of for a lot of um, people in general. And I think voters might surprise us when it comes to sort of the actual like winning itself. Like the big thing last year was La La Land versus Moonline. La La Land being, I think, more like pandering, not pandering, but a more pretty much it was like a fantastic look at the way that movies were made and Hollywood and yeah. old Hollywood musicals. And it was definitely something that I viewed that I, when I put my predictions last year, I saw La La Land as winning, though I wanted Moonlight to win. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing like Moonlight actually win surprised me. And whether some people say that the voters maybe like said that that was their like diversity vote that mm-hmm. year, trying to fill a like, diversity quota for either like LGBTQ characters or African-American characters, that sort of um, opportunity there. So they said sometimes that they didn't I know I was reading some things and one of the Oscar voters an anonymous Oscar voter said that they just didn't get get out and mm-hmm. like that I think might hurt its chances just because you do have a primarily older white voting pool that is the Academy Awards and they might That's not right. necessarily resonate as much with the the younger more diverse crowds so while I would see like I think get out winning would be a momentous occasion mm-hmm. in that sense I just believe that the shape of water just has all the right categories and precursors and just vibes and feels and it'll just I think it'll just resonate the best with our voters in that sense so I'm almost I'm, I'm gonna put my money for coming by or oh, wow sorry uh, the shape of water yeah I think I'm gonna go with phantom thread I mean even though uh, it probably will get overlooked it's mm-hmm. just it was such a such a powerful movie and um, was really really well done and just Daniel Day-Lewis, I mean, really stuck with me, that performance. I hope it's not his last on screen, but I guess we'll just have to see. Um, But, yeah, so those have been our 11 um, picks for the Oscars, which are happening March 4th. And this has been Patrick Dunham. And Kyle Henner. For Ethos Magazine. And thanks for listening.